for the precious blood of Christ. Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, and turn with me back to 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 30 tonight, 1 Samuel and chapter number 30. 1 Samuel and chapter number 30. This morning, we talked about uh, David once again, and he uh, says his last goodbye, what he thinks is his last goodbye. He'll actually meet up with Jonathan one more time as he runs from King Saul, and uh, he meets him what he thinks is for the last time, and they weep upon one another's shoulder. Jonathan is 48 years old at the time, and David is 20. He goes to Gath, and he can't stay there, and has to feign himself a madman, winds up in the cave of Adullam. And the injustices of his life begin to bring confidence to those closest to him. And by the way, it in the immediate family some of the hardest folks to win their confidence. Prophets not without honor in his own country, the Bible said. And yet they see something genuine about this young man. And in the pages that follow, uh, Saul continues to seek David's life. On two different occasions, God gives David a chance to exact vengeance against Saul. And both times, he refuses to lift his hand against the Lord's anointed In chapter 23, in the closing verses around verses 15, 16, and 17, David and Jonathan meet once more in a wooded area. David is 21 at this time and Jonathan 49, and that will be the last time that he sees Jonathan. The next chapter, chapter 24, is where he cuts off the hem of Saul's garment at the cave of En Gedi, and chapter 25, at age 99, Samuel dies, and David is 25 years old by that time. We get all the way over now to our text tonight in chapter number 30. Another occasion, David has spared Saul's life, and David's 29 years old now. In the next chapter, Saul and Jonathan will die in battle. And at this point in our story, David is still running from Saul. The ironic thing happened, we read this morning how that he fled to Uh, the city of Gath, and to a man named Achish, a king there among the Philistines, who was evidently a very young man because he's still alive and ruling after David's death when Solomon is king. Interesting. But uh, Saul is, uh, is so bent on killing David, and David, it becomes apparent not only to the children of Israel, but also to the enemies around them that David uh, is uh, certainly... Uh, an enemy of Israel. And so David finds refuge with this same king, Achish, (laughs) and actually wins his confidence. And uh, David is 600 strong with with his mighty men at this time and builds even somewhat of a friendship with Achish. And Achish gives him a city called Ziklag where David can settle far from the border of Israel out of the reach of King Saul. In order for Saul to find David down there, he'd have to go into enemy territory. And, and so there, David is in relative safety in this place called Ziklag. And we take up our story in chapter number 30, if you would just follow with me. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives, and their sons, and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him, with him lifted up their voice and wept, until they had no more power to weep. Father in heaven, bless now, please, the message to our hearts tonight. And may we find, Lord, some uh, things, make some observations, God, that will help us to know how to handle our hearts when they come into our lives. And some admonitions that will, Lord, help us to, to know what we need to do when tragedy strikes in our lives. And so through the power of your Holy Spirit, let me communicate faithfully what you've laid upon my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. I speak to you the subject tonight, when tragedy strikes. When tragedy strikes, we don't plan for tragedy. But life can change in a moment of time. Tonight I knelt next to Austin and he's praying 
for the little bus girl there and, and her mom and dad. Dad's still on life support. We'll pray for Thomas Wright. When you think of him, please. Mom's home from the hospital. Praise the Lord. But one accident, pickup truck, and, uh, and uh, two lives uh, could very easily have been snuffed out. And uh, life can turn on a dime. Life can turn on a dime. I heard this story. One of our bus workers uh, came from the bus today. And a little six-year-old confided in one of our bus workers at my birthday party. I think yesterday, one day this week. It was my birthday party. And mom and dad got in a fight. And they were screaming and yelling. I just went in the room and shut the door. It was a terrible birthday. You know, a lot of little children have big people problems, don't they? And horrible, terrible things happen. With the proliferation of pornography in our, in our day and in our time, just a few clicks of a button. Uh, by the way, Mama, uh, hell is in that kid's pocket, and you better figure that out before it's too late. I said, hell is in their pocket. I said, hell is in their pocket. And you better figure that out before it's too late. But with the proliferation of that has come human, uh, a tremendous increase in human trafficking. You ask these folks that work in law enforcement if what I'm saying is not true. It's so true. All over our land, and, and uh, the statistics are, are just staggering and, and heartbreaking. Uh, the, uh, the, the number of people that have suffered uh, because of, uh, of uh, uh, lustful minds and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, 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 terrible things and someone uh, violating another person. And, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, tragedy can and happen in a moment's time. In a moment's time, some of you in this room know what it's like to receive that phone call. Tragedy came in a moment's time. The last time you saw that loved one was a smile, a greeting, and then you see him and ever see him again alive till you get to heaven. Amen. But my point is, life can just change us like that. Many of you know this to be true. Young people, we, we want for you to be in the will of God. We want God's hand upon your life. We want you to be used of God greatly. But there's something that goes along with that. To be greatly used of God, God has to prepare you. And We talked about this morning how God uses injustice to prepare us, to prune us, and to prove us and prune us and, and prepare us so that He can promote us. And We want God's hand upon your life, but we also realize that that's going to mean some, probably some tragedy in your life as well. It's certainly going to mean heartache. It's certainly going to mean disappointment. Well, what do you do when those times come into your life? Thus far, David has been through it. He's been slighted by his family for a season. He's been hated by his, his, his king, whom he loved and whom he served faithfully. His life has been several attempts on his life. At the hand of the king himself, he sent messengers in chapter 19. He sent three sets of messengers to have David arrested so that he could be executed. Time and time again, David has narrowly escaped with his life. He's almost killed in Gath that first time around, several years before our passage here. He almost killed and had enough wisdom to act like a madman. Sometimes it takes wisdom to act like a crazy man. Amen. And he had enough wisdom to act like a crazy man, and he escaped that. And time and time again, he told Jonathan, his bosom friend, he said, there's just one step between me and death. And death was on his heels all the time. And can I say this, my dear friend? Uh, life can turn on a dime and tragedy could strike at any time. But I think of all the things that David had been through in his life, this without a doubt had to be the most trying, the most difficult, the most heartbreaking of all. You see, David's loyalty to Achish had won the, the confidence of Achish. And Achish is going to battle and he said, David, he said, I, I can trust you. He said, why don't you come help us? We got, we got to go to battle. David said, you've been good to me. And yes, I'll be a true friend to you. And yes, we'll help you. I'll lend my resources and our men will right there. You've been a friend to me, Achish. I'm, I'm in exile and you've been a friend to me while I've been in exile. You gave me a place to live. You gave me my own city and, and, and gave me, gave, given me safe harbor. And yeah, absolutely, I'll help you. Now think about this. What an unusual relationship. This is Achish of Gath. The town where Goliath is from. And yet David, a man of character, was able to win the confidence of such a man. Isn't that amazing? David said, absolutely, you've been good to me. I'm going to be good to you. And David and his men suit up to go to battle. And they march out to meet the, the Philistine forces. And some of those other lords of the Philistines said, who are those guys and what are they doing here? And Achish said, that's my friend. That's David. That's my loyal friend. I gave him the city of Ziklag. He's done nothing but be uh, good and, uh, and exercise integrity, and he's going to fight with us. And they said, hey, he ain't fighting with us. 
And they got together and they said, we, no, no, no. If, if they're fighting, we're not fighting. If we're fighting, they're not fighting. And they said this, hey, he might turn on us in the middle of the battle. If we start fighting, we start losing, they might turn on us. And Achish came to David. He said, David, I'm sorry. He said, I believe in your loyalty. He said, but I'm sorry, but I, I, you're going to have to go back. I, I can't use you. It's causing uh, too much of a division uh, between the other, between the other uh, leaders. And, and so David, uh, David acquiesced. He said, absolutely, I understand. And he headed back home to Ziklag. What he doesn't know is that while he was away, be, being a friend to, to, uh, to Achish, the Amalekites, those were marauding bands. They, they were much like a, uh, they were a, a, a nomad kind of a people. And they, they'd go from place to place to place. And the Amalekites had come through and they had absolutely destroyed the city where David and his men lived. It wasn't a big town, obviously, 600 men. And they had wives, they had children. And so we're talking about several thousands of people, perhaps. But they had come through and they had burned everything to the ground. There were no human remains and they did not know where anybody was. But they came and everything they owned was burned up in smoke. Everything of value was gone, including their wives, including their children. Now, these men are already exhausted. They had a long march to meet up with the, with the military force, and they had a long march back home. They're just exhausted, ready to get back home. And so they're already uh, vulnerable physically and emotionally because they're so exhausted. And so now they finally get back home, and I don't know who saw it first, the smoke rising, but I can imagine those men as they saw, and then as tired as they were, begin to break out into a run, as they run toward their town and somewhere in the midst of that they stop dead in their tracks just to look around and the horror of it all, everything they had and everything they owned and everything they loved had been taken away from them. And the Bible said they begin to weep. Verse 4, Then David and the people that were with them lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. I wonder maybe if you've ever been there in your life where you wept so much you literally had no more tears. It is possible to weep to a point where you have no more tears to give. And these men, and these were not these were, these were not men in, inclined to melancholy. These were strong men. These were uh, warriors. These were men that, uh, that uh, knew what it was to fight. And these men wept and they wept and they wept and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Can I make some observations about hurting people here? The Bible said in that fourth verse, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and, and wept. Hurting people, hurting people grieve. Hurting people hurt. Now that's very simple. I understand that's very simple. But can I tell you something? That's a really good thing for all of us to remember. As we bump into people, as we go through life, and we meet hurting people, and, and we say, well, I wonder what's wrong with so-and-so. I don't know what's wrong with them. That's the point. You don't know what's wrong with them. Are you listening? Are you listening? You may not need this tonight, but you'll need this later. Girls, put things down out of your hands. Put things down out of your hands. Help me out back there. Put that down. Look at pastor. Look at pastor. No chatting with each other. Listen to the preaching. Hurting people hurt. That's what they do. They grieve. And as I said last Sunday morning in the message, that's not just normal, but quite frankly, that's healthy. That's healthy. There's a misnomer in our society. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. I think of meditating on the subject more and more and more. The things we complain about as Americans is our discomfort. That's the thing we complain about the most. Much of the world's just trying to find food to eat. And we, we complain because we're a little hot or a little cold or our, our, our pillow went flat or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so, uh, but, 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 but we here's, here are people that they're, they're have a grief, they have a heartache, and, 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 and they are hurting and God made it so. And you and I need to experience the highs and the lows of life. We're the most heavily medicated people in the world, both legally and illegally, trying to numb ourselves. And can I tell you something? I said this last Sunday morning. I believe I said it. But again, at least twice, doctors came to my wife in our grief and said, here, you need, here's a prescription to help you. Now, I'm not sitting in judgment, but I want you to listen to what I have to say. Both times she said, no, thank you. Uh, I, I have help already. And the help she had was the Comforter, capital C, amen, that lives within us. Can I say this, my dear friend? Uh, uh, the idea that you and I should never feel any discomfort, the idea that you and I should never grieve and never sorrow, that, that's not a realistic expectation. It's not the way God made us. A truly healthy life is going to be one where you weep
relief and where you rejoice and you experience the highs and the lows of life. Now, does God want us to stay in the lows? Absolutely not. But you can't live on the mountaintop either. Amen. A lot of Christians are like a ping pong ball going up and down and, 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 and back and forth. And can I tell you something, my dear friend? Listen, listen. Uh, 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 yes, we grieve and yes, we sorrow. But with the comforter and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we don't go down to the depths of despair and stay down there. Listen, depression may come and visit your house and may knock on your door. But don't invite depression in and give them an extra bedroom and a key to the car and the garage and, and, and a place to put the dog out back. Hey, listen. Yeah, depression will come. And depression will sit in your house for a moment and, and sit with you in the living room. And you'll have a discussion. But then you say, now, now we visit together and I empathize with you and I'm feeling what you're feeling. But guess what? Guess what? Uh, they're still hurting people outside out here saying, you'll have to come back later. We'll talk some more. But I got some work to do for Jesus in the meantime. Hurting people hurt. Job said it this way. Man is born under trouble. As the sparks fly upward. Job 5 verse number 7. This is not just normal, it's healthy. It says in verse number 4 as well, said then David, look at the next word, and. If you circle words, I'll give you words to circle and thoughts that go with it. David, and. David's wives, he had two wives at this time and all of his children were gone. He got home. He was trying to do the right thing, trying to exercise integrity. He got home. His wives were gone. His children were gone. But not just David, David and the people. The verse says that David lifted up his voice. But it was David and the people. The Bible said David wept. David wept till he had no more power to weep. But it wasn't just David. It was David and the people that lifted up their voice. David and the people that wept. David and the people that wept until they had no more power to weep. Now I say this, others are hurting too. Others are hurting too. This ought to make us more careful. As God's people, it ought to make us more thoughtful. It ought to make us more understanding. In Mark chapter 4, verses 36, 7, 8, and 9, is that miraculous story of God's people, the disciples, as they got into a boat, the Bible says, in verse number 36, when He had sent away the multitude, they took Him even as He was in the ship. And verse 37 said there arose... A great wind and the ship was full of water. The waves were beating on the ship. And verse number 38, Jesus fast asleep. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he rose and said, Peace be still. And a great calm came over. But there's a little phrase at the end of verse 36. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Look at this. And there was also with them other little ships. You know, we read that story often of Jesus and in the boat asleep and the disciples panicking because their boat was taken on water and the waves were beating against the ship and they were despairing for their lives. But the Bible said there was other little ships out there too. And the waves are no respecter of persons. That means there was other little boats taken on water. And there was other little boats that were being hit by the waves. And there were other folks panicking. And there was other folks despairing for their lives, no doubt. And no doubt there were other folks crying out for God. Let me tell you something, my dear. Just because you're not aware of a story doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And may I say this, if you want to be used of God, you will learn to, 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 to identify, even as you walk to the grocery store, even as you go through the, uh, through the course of your life, you'll learn to o- open your eyes and look around and not just go around life like this, what I'm doing next, and, and let me get where I'm supposed to get, and somebody's in my way, get out of my way. But you become a conscious of people and conscious of souls walking through the grocery store saying, Lord, use me to bless someone today. Put someone on my heart. Put someone on my path. And God will answer that prayer. And you'll find out there are a lot of hurting souls who need what you and I have found in Jesus Christ. Others are hurting too. I remember my pastor saying many, many times, I don't think it was original him. I'm almost certain he was quoting someone else, but I can hear him say it. As I heard him say it many times, he that preaches to broken hearts will never lack for a congregation. He that preaches to broken hearts will never lack for a congregation. We continue in verse number 5. The Bible said, And David's two wives were taken captives, uh, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake. Circle the word spake there. The people spake of 
stoning him. Why? Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me tell you something else hurting people do. Hurting people often say hurtful things. Hurting people often say hurtful things. And people began to talk and they spake of stoning David. I remember several years ago, <clears throat> the two little guys that rode our buses. It's been a few years since I crossed paths with their mother, but many years ago, and one of them was in the military at that time, and the other one established, and I was so pleased to hear about that. But I remember one of those little guys was about seven years old, and he just, I'd been to family court with them, and been in the, when they were in family court, and they rode one of our buses, as I said, and just a lot of problems. Dad was not in their life. And mom, she sometimes really didn't know what to do with him sometime. And I remember one time she called in just desperation. Please, please come, Pastor, please, please come help me. And one of the boys was just, I'm just just throwing a fit, screaming, crying. It was absolutely uncontrollable. And I went over there, and, and when I went in, he wasn't, he wouldn't come out. He would, he's in the back room. And I said, Mom, it'll be all right. And I went on back there. And uh, he was, he had crawled up under the bed. There's a set of bunk beds in there. He crawled up under the bed. So I just got down and I just laid down on the floor in the little boy's bedroom, laid down on the floor. And uh, I just began, I called his name and said, Hey, buddy, I, we love you. Preacher loves you. Bus workers love you. And he just mad, <laughs> crying. And I just lay there for a while. I don't know, five, ten minutes or something. Just once in a while I say, hey, we love you. We love you. Just want you to know that we love you. I know you're hurting. After a little while, that little boy popped his head out from under the bed. He got this angry look on his face. He said, as soon as I get old enough, I'm going to find some girl, get her pregnant, have a kid, and then leave my kid just like my daddy left me. Seven years old. Hurting people say hurtful things. So, you know, where, where do we get this idea that everybody in the world is supposed to respect us and everybody in the world is supposed to speak nicely to us and nobody's ever supposed to be cross with us and nobody ought to be out of the way with us and everybody ought to treat us well? Where do we get that? Where do we get that? We, we live in a broken world. We live among hurtful people. And what God needs is a group of spirit-filled people who don't carry their feelings on their sleeves and realize when someone says something out of the way sometimes and somebody says something hurtful, it's oftentimes because they have hurts. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to be someone that God could use to bless and help the hurting. David was greatly, verse 6, was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him, circle that word, him. Hurting people often cast blame. Hurting people often cast blame. May I suggest something to you? Adam, the Bible said Peter wrote this. He said Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Meaning that when Adam took of that fruit, he knew exactly what he was losing. And he chose to stay with his wife knowing that he would break fellowship with God probably understanding he may even lose the privileged place that he had in the garden, and surely he did. What did he do? First thing. Oh, the woman thou gavest me. He cast blame. She followed suit, right? (laughs) It's the serpent. It's the serpent's fault. Now I say, dear friend, hurting people often cast blame. Saul was called out by Samuel. And he said, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. And Samuel said, hmm, really? What's the lowing of the cattle? Bleeding of the sheep mean? Oh, well, you know how the people are. The people, they wanted to say the best. And everything, I, I, I didn't think it was such a great idea myself. But anyway, you know how the people are. What did he do? He blamed someone else. He blamed someone else. How many times have people begun to self-destruct because they want to cast blame? May I say this, my dear friend? Look at me for just a minute. Listen, when tragedy comes into your life, you don't need to figure out all the whys. You don't need to figure out all the whys. You don't need to figure out all the reasons. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to take it and learn from it. 
Trust God for His grace and keep on going and doing the right thing. You will get in a spiral if you begin to assign blame. I've known folks, as as I'm sure you have, who decided to blame others. Some decided to blame God like Job's wife, and he said, curse God and die. She'd already blamed God, and she was mad that he wouldn't blame God. Some blamed themselves. Some blamed themselves. I don't know how many times I've heard this over the years of children that want to take the blame because two people that they loved couldn't get along with each other. Children, may I say something? Now listen, look at Pastor, please. All the little children look at me. God forbid. But if the people that love you one day can't get along with each other, don't you take the blame for that. Don't you take the blame for that. That's not your fault. That's not your fault. And you understand God loves you and more than likely those that can't get along with each other both love you. The fact they can't get along with each other, that's not your fault. You understand me? That's not your fault. Oh, listen, but hurting people, they, they say hurtful things. They cast blame. They cast blame. Tell you something else they do. Look at verse number 6 again. And David was greatly distressed for the people. Circle that little word. The people. That's plural. For the people spake of stoning him. You know what hurting people often do? <clears throat> hurting people say hurtful things and hurting people cast blame. Hurting people often nurture their hurts. When it says they spake, in other words, they spake among themselves. The people spake among themselves. Can I tell you something? It's not healthy for you. Yes, uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong whatsoever of helping to carry someone else's burden. And there's, that's a scriptural uh, concept in Galatians chapter 6. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But let me tell you something. Uh, to hash through hurts, that's not a healthy thing. That's not a healthy thing. One of the issues that I have, and I'm, I'm thankful for anybody who wants to invest in other people and, and help somebody uh, 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 get victory over some addiction in their life. I'm thankful for anybody who makes any effort whatsoever. And and so, but, but can I tell you something? Uh, what people need is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God in their heart and their soul. And uh, they don't need a higher power. Uh, that is, the, the, the demons are powerful. Angels are powerful. You don't need a demon. You don't need an angel. You don't need a false god. You need Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and you get in a room with a bunch of people and say, Hi, my name's Bob. I'm, I'm a liar. I, my name's Bob. I'm this. I'm uh, Bob. Listen, if you, if you save, your name's Bob and you're born again. Amen. <laughs> And you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. You're accepted in the beloved. Amen. And you're no longer condemned. And you're a new creature in Christ. Amen. Be careful now. Don't just mill over your hurts just because you enjoy the bitter taste in your mouth. No. You've been hurting. God's going to use that hurt somehow if you'll give it to Him. And these folks talked among themselves. and They got themselves worked up till they blamed David and wanted to kill David. That's what Mary and Martha did. In John 11, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely certain that they had this discussion themselves because if you read John 11, 21 and John 11, 32, they use the exact same words. Lazarus was sick unto death. And word was sent to Jesus Christ. And if he had left when he first got word, he would have got there before Lazarus died. But he didn't. And may I say this to you, my dear friend, let me... Just because God doesn't do what you want Him to do when you want Him to do it doesn't mean that He doesn't care. And they come to Jesus when He finally does come. He's, he's been dead four days now. And He said, good night. He's in the grave four days and He stinks. Here's what Martha said, verse 21. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Verse number 32, Mary. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not. Exact same thing. Why? They've been talking about it. They talked about, you know, if he'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. This wouldn't have turned out that way. If, if David, I can just hear him, if David hadn't, hadn't made a friendship with Achish, if David hadn't this, if David hadn't taken us down there in that battle, we would have left our city exposed. If David this, if David that. And they worked themselves up together to the point they wanted to absolutely stone, execute, kill the man who had been so compassionate toward them. Hurting people nurture their hurts. I'm going to show you what hurting people ought to do. Verse number 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But, here it is, but David encouraged 
himself in the Lord his God. Somebody say amen. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I tell you something, my friend, you may, you may get to a place in your life where you don't have a single friend to encourage you. You don't have anybody to cheer you on. You don't have anybody there to say, come on now, you can do this, you can do this. But you say, well, I, I, everybody forsaken me and I don't have anybody to help me and nobody encourages me and nobody checks on me and nobody calls me anymore and nobody sends me little notes and little gifts and, and pats me on my little back. Hey, you still have a God in heaven who said I'll never leave you and never forsake you. You feel that loneliness, my dear friend. It's time for you to get alone with your God. Hurting people need to get alone with God. The Bible said in Psalm 15, verse number 2, they, uh, 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 speak the truth in your heart. David went to, alone with God and spoke the truth in his heart. Amen. He went along with God and he spoke the truth in his heart. Yes, he's hurting. He's hurting so much he can't even weep. He's wept all the tears that he could possibly weep until he could weep no more. He's hurting just as much as those that are grumbling and complaining and conspiring and saying hurtful things. But David didn't lash back. He went along with God and poured out his heart there. If the world from you withholds of its silver and its gold and you have to get along on meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird and take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain and your soul is slowly sinking in despair. Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and He can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Just take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust Him through your doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And David went alone and encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Can I tell you something? You know, you ought to talk to the devil sometime. Get thee behind me, Satan. We learn that from the Lord. Amen? And you need to talk to God. Amen? But somebody else you need to talk to. You need to talk to yourself sometimes. You say, preacher, I know some people do that, and they're not quite right. <laughs> well, sometimes you need to talk to yourself. You need to encourage yourself. The Bible said David encouraged himself. David talked to himself. He said, now, he said, now David, I know you're hurting. I know, I, I know you're, you're aching until you can't ache anymore. And I know there's uncertainty in your life. And I know this may not turn out well. And, and, and I know my, it may be gone. But David, listen, you're still God's child. And you're still anointed to be king. And God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. And you can't sit here in the morning crumbs. You need to get a hold of God. David spoke to himself and encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How many, many, many times we read, as you've heard me say over and over and over again from this pulpit, how many times we read in the Bible where David exercised his will when he said, I will praise the Lord. In Psalm 7, 17, I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 22, two, uh, 22 I will praise thee. Psalm uh, 33, 3, and sing and play skillfully uh, 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 to the Lord. Psalm 35, 18, I will give thee thanks. I will praise thee among uh, much people. Psalm 57, 9, I will praise thee. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Uh, uh, Psalm uh, uh, 81, 1, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, uh, 71, 14, I will yet praise thee more and more Psalm 63 4 uh, thus will I bless thee while I live I will lift up my hands in thy name uh, in Psalm 98 and uh, verse number 4 and Psalm 104 verse 33 I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live I will sing praise to my God and make a joyful noise unto the Lord and make a loud noise and rejoice and sing and praise he didn't say he felt like singing he didn't say he felt like being glad he said I will rejoice and be glad in this day let me tell you something, you can make up your mind, you can give yourself a pep talk, and you can look at yourself in the mirror, and you can say, let me tell you something, you're down right now, and you're discouraged right now, and you're hurting right now, and you have every right to be, but your God has never failed you, and your God is faithful, and you need to get up, and you need to praise Him once again. Hurting people need to get along with God. Verse number 7 says, And David said to Abiathar the priest, and Himelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Abiathar, of course, had come after the horrible slaughter. Had come and joined David and his mighty men. And David said, we need, a, we need a conference with the Lord. Verse number 8 said, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Or shall I overtake them? Can I say number two, hurting people need direction from the Lord. Hurting people need 
direction from the Lord. Can we segue for just a moment over to Psalm 73? Keep your finger in 1 Samuel 30. Can you go with me just very briefly to Psalm 73? Hurting people need to seek direction from the Lord. David, like so many others in the Bible, struggled with envy. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, look at what David said, Psalm 73, verse 2. As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He said, I just about lost my footing. Why? What was it that caused this, David? For I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, Look at me, sometime in your Christian life, if you live for God for any length of time, you're going to look at somebody else and say, man, they've not even tried to live for God. How is it that they're doing so well and here I am, I'm tithing, I'm giving offerings, I'm going to church faithfully. How, why am I the one struggling? I'm the one doing right. I'm the one trying to do right. He struggled with envy. Verse 4, for there are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They're doing just fine. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Verse 7 there, I stand out with fatness. They have more than their, than heart could wish. Verse 12, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verse 13, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. And by the way, that's what will happen to you. When you start to envy the wicked, it won't be long until you say, I don't even know why I am trying. It, it, uh, this is total vanity. It's a waste of time that I'm even trying to live for the Lord. I've cleansed my hands and my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. All the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. Verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. His meditations, how the wicked prosper and how all his efforts to do right seemed to be in vain. He said, it's just too much. I could overwhelm my soul. Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God and then understood I therein. You know, most people then on that day, they would have skipped church, not David. David said, I'm in a bad place. My head is not right. I better get to church. And when he got to the sanctuary of God, then he understood therein. Oh, listen, my dear friend. Hey, listen. David got along with God, and David said, God, I need some direction. He inquired after the Lord, uh, after the Lord what should I do? What should I do? And God gave him direction. Look at verse 8 now. He said this, And he answered him, Pursue, (laughs) for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover them. Hurting people need to get along with God and get direction from God. Hurting people need to get their purpose back. God gave it to them right here. He said, Go after them. Go after them. Look at verse 9. So David went. He and the 600 men. It's not recorded, but between verse number 8 and verse number 9, he had a conference with the men who wanted to kill him. Do you understand that? The men are talking about killing him. He's over there alone by himself. It's talking to himself, encouraging himself, getting a hold of God, getting the priest and the ephod and having an audience with God and getting some direction from God. And he walks out and greets those men who are ready to kill him. He said, let me tell you something. I know, what you, I know you guys are ticked off at me. And I know you blame me for this. Let me tell you something. You can kill me if you want to, but that's not going to help anything. I've been alone with God and i got some good news. God said we could go after him and God said he'll deliver him in our hands and we can sit here in the Molly Groves and we can whine and cry and we can do what God's called to do. Who's with me, boys? And every one of them said, let's go. Let's go. They launch out, 200 of them of the 600 are so weary. They said, we can't make it. They're physically exhausted. And you know this, you know this. When you're emotionally spent, that also means being physically spent. Some of you know what it's like to sit day after day after day in a, in a hospital. You're healthy as you can be, but you're in, there's your loved one in the bed and you're just there day after day after day. And just sitting in a hospital room and you leave at the end of the day physically exhausted. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The emotional, the mental and emotional strain leaves you physically exhausted as well. 200 of those 400 men said, we just can't make it. We cannot make it. And David said, you guys stay here, those of you who are able to follow me. Hurting people need to share their hope and their purpose with others. David got his answer from the Lord. Then he got those men together and said, let me tell you something, fellas. We still have hope. We still have a purpose. We don't need to sit here. We need to get with it and go on for Jesus Christ. 
Oh, listen, if you've never done so, you need to mark in your Bible. You need to memorize. You need to remember. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God tells us why His people suffer. He says this, Blessed be the God, be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort Why does He comfort us? So we will be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. Listen to it. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. It is for your consolation and salvation. Do you understand that, my dear friend? God allows hurt to come in your life, comfort you through His Spirit. Why? So He can use you as a vessel to comfort others. Many, 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 many times have I begged God, Oh God, I have no power to comfort. And you ever feel sometimes you just wish you could just reach in and just fix something, help somebody, and put it back together, which is broken, and you can't. How many times I said, God, I don't have any power, but would you please comfort through me? I don't know about you, but I'd like to be somebody God could use as a conduit of His comfort. Hurting people need to share their hope and their purpose with others. I tell you, last Sunday night just about ripped my heart out. Whoo! Heather Cagle. Humanly speaking, that's becoming more widely accepted because of the study of the brain and neuroplasticity. But you ask somebody a dozen, 15, 20 years ago, 999 out of 1,000 doctors would tell that's not possible. She has no left side of her brain. She'll never speak again. But she did. She sang right here. Amen. She sang. What's she doing? She found purpose and hope, and she shared it with us. Amen. My wife on the radio heard it the other day, and she told me, said, sweetheart, it's been 50. I think it was just the last few days, maybe a week or so, the 50th anniversary of John Erickson taught her being a paraplegic. And all these years singing and teaching and painting and adding to people's lives. Giving others hope and purpose because these dear ladies were alone with God and getting help from God. Hurting people need to get along with God. Hurting people need to get direction from the Lord. Hurting people need to share their hope and their purpose with others. Look at verse number 11. They take off to pursue the Amalekites and... Along the way, the Bible said they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, the spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom belongest thou? And he said, Whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me. Because I, three days ago, gone, I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongs to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I'll bring thee down to this company. Can I tell you, number four, hurting people need to get along with God, need direction from the Lord, need to share their hope and their purpose with others, but hurting people need to bless other hurting people. Now, David's on a mission, right? David's on a mission. 200 men are too faint to go, but 400 men are with him, and they're, they're pursuing the Amalekites. And somebody finds a slave that's half dead, and David says, let's take care of him. And David said, let's get him some bread. Let's get him some water. Let's get him a cake of figs. Bring him some raisins. We don't know if we'll ever recover our own loved ones, but we know we can help this man right here. And the man revived. You know, David could have said, we ain't got time for that. What are you talking about? We've got, we got our family. We've got our loved ones. Got, what are we going to mess with this slave for? Why, why? We don't have time to fool with him. That's not what he did. He blessed others. Amen? And that man he blessed became a man that blessed him, didn't he? Do you know what hurting people need to do? They need to bless other hurting people. Here's a man sick, hungry, hopeless, and hurting. And David took time to help him. 
The Bible said in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, Cast thy bread upon the water, and after many days it will come back to you. Brother Howes used to have a radio broadcast on Thursday morning when I was in Bible college. It was about a 15-minute radio broadcast, and it come across the speakers on the whole campus, and whatever we're doing, we'd always pause, and we'd listen to his radio broadcast. And he always ended the radio broadcast. last thing he said, he said, Remember, be good to everyone because everyone's having a tough time. Be good to everyone because everyone's having a tough time. I remember Bob Gray, pastor of the Great Trinity Baptist Church in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida for years, in the Trinity Baptist College. It produced a lot of great Christian service for the Lord. His wife, in his latter years, got cancer, and she was suffering, and she could just taking chemotherapy, and it was just very little that she could eat. And, and um, she, um, there was some, some ethnic food that she could, she could tolerate, that, that, and I don't remember what it was, but some type of ethnic food she could tolerate, and she could keep it down. She couldn't eat much of anything else. And so one night about midnight, she was hungry and she wanted something to eat. And, and he knew where a little ethnic store was and a little, little rough part of town. But he went on over there, tried to wake somebody up to get this, this particular food for his dear wife who's suffering so much. And middle of night, he, he's over there banging on a door trying to wake somebody up to get this food. And some men come down the sidewalk ready to accost him. They began to hold him up there. And Dr. Gray heard from a car parked over there, said, hey, preacher, is that you? He said, yeah. Yeah, I'm Brother Gray. He said, hey, guys, cut that out. Leave him alone. That's my preacher. <laughs> Cast thy bread upon the waters. Amen. One of the men used to work the uh, drug unit. as a member of our church at the time. Came to me one day. He said, Pastor, we hit a house this week and said, we got some weapons, we got some cash, we got some dope. They were all in the safe in the house. He said, there's one other thing in the safe. I said, what was that? He said, a picture of you and this guy and his baby on baby dedication day. <laughs> he gave me his number. He said, if I ever need anything, let, let him know. But, uh, you know, we ought to be good to people. Amen. Not because we're looking for something in return, but the Bible says we reap what we sow, don't we? Get down, if you would, to verse number 22, and we'll close this, this last thought. Those men did, as God said, recover everything. This is absolutely amazing. Not a single, they, they recovered, they smote the Amalekites, and not one of their loved ones was lost. Not one of them. They recovered everything they'd lost, all of their loved ones, and then the spoils of the war. The Bible said they're coming back, and verse 21 said, And David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men, a Belial of those that went with David and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us in our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that teareth by the stuff, they shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. Can I tell you what hurting people need to do? Get along with God get direction from the Lord, share their hope and their purpose with others, bless other hurting people. Listen to me. And lastly, hurting people need to keep a grateful, humble, rejoicing heart. Hurting people need to keep a grateful, humble, rejoicing heart. These men that worked so hard and went to battle and fought and won their families back and came back, and those men that were so weak and that had gone with David to Achish and had marched all the way back and wept till they could weep no more and were hurting just like all of them were hurting. They just didn't have the strength to go as far as the other men. And those men came back and some of them began to gripe and grumble and say, you didn't help us and, and you, you weren't there and you don't, you should get, you get your, your wives and your kids and you all leave us. You don't belong. And they said, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Hey, knock that stuff off. Knock it off. Here's what he said. He said, if it wasn't for God in heaven, there would be none of us still alive. 
if it wasn't for God in heaven, I wouldn't have my wives and children. You wouldn't have your family members. He said, it's the Lord that gave us the victory. It's the Lord that preserved us. It's the Lord that delivered us. Let me tell you what hurting people need to do. Hurting people need to remember that it's a God in heaven who preserves. There's a God in heaven who gives us victory. It's a God in heaven who delivers us and keep a grateful, humble, rejoicing heart. You've heard it as I have about the man who felt sorry for himself because he had no shoes till he met the man who had no feet. I can't tell it like Dr. David Gibbs, but I'll give it a try for the closing illustration. Dr. Gibbs, in one of his messages, tells about being in a church in a soul winning meeting. And the pastor's there and giving a few instructions and said, anybody got a testimony before we go out? There's a little lady there in a wheelchair. And she has no no arms. And she said, I just want to thank the Lord for a good nose. And everybody laughed, chuckled. Dr. Gibbs, that's an inside joke, I guess. He didn't know what to think of it. Folks said, amen. They had prayer. They headed out to go out soul winning. And the lady in the wheelchair was rolled up into a vehicle and went out with the soul winners. Pastor said, "Uh, Dr. Gibbs, you're wondering about that testimony, aren't you? He said, yeah. Thank God for a good nose. He said, let me tell you what she's thanking God for. So that lady's come sewing in every week. And one of the members will take her, take her to a shopping center someplace. There's a lot of people. You notice there's a little backpack on the back of a wheelchair. and She keeps her Bible in there. And she'll go and sit at the gate, uh, the, the, at the door, the main entrance there. As folks come by, she'll greet them. And when she can catch someone's attention, she'll say, can you help me, please? Uh, they said, well, what do you need, ma'am? She said, I, my, my Bible is in the back of my wheelchair in the backpack. Could you get it out for me? Okay. So they get the Bible out. And and can you turn it here where I could see it? They said, well, sure. And they'll turn it over now. And she'll say, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Well, no, ma'am, I don't know that. And she... The Bible says right here in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. And she'll take her nose and turn the pages and go to the gospel story and win souls to Jesus Christ. I just want to say thank God for a good nose. Not for a little lady like that to be thankful. Certainly you and I could be. You got a choice. You're hurting. You can say hurtful things. Find a bunch of other hurting people and nurture your hurts until you become bitter and angry and want to kill somebody. Or you can go along with God and find strength and encouragement and a renewed sense of purpose and go give hope to others and help hurting people along the way and live with a grateful, rejoicing heart. Shall we stand together? Father.